0: Today I am joined by licensed family and marriage therapist Todd Creager. He is also a clinical social worker. He has 35 years of experience with helping couples heal through crisis, trauma and infidelity. So we're going to be talking about that. I know we got a lot of couple of couples out there listening. Hopefully, you're not having any of these problems, but just in case you are, or you know somebody else who is, we're going to have Todd on, spreading his expertise. So, Todd, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome. Like I love being here.
0: Well, why don't you start off by just telling everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Okay. Well, let's see. I have been doing this, like you said, Curtis, for... 35 plus years, I'll say that. And uh, I've been loving, I love what I do, you know, and what I do is I help couples and individuals help them heal. I help them thrive. Uh, I I help couples rekindle passion. Uh, I've been married myself 38 years. So uh, definitely, i um, tuned into the challenges and the blessings of a committed relationship because there's both. I um, wrote a book back in 2008. So it's been 14 years uh, called The Long Hot Marriage, which is basically how do you have a relationship with a person long term that is loving, but also alive and spicy and how do you do that? And that came from the work I did with my couples probably a little bit about my own relationship. And so I've been doing that uh, f- all these years. I've, I've spoken to therapists, I've trained therapists, I've trained physicians, and how we deal with things such as low sexual desire. Uh, what else can I tell you? I do a trauma treatment called EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which is a very wonderful way to help people process trauma so they can move on with their lives and not be stuck. You know, and then the last thing I'll say is that I also use meditation as a tool. I found that to be just uh, very important. And I do have a a program uh, called uh, Meditation for Self and Interpersonal Healing that I love. And so that's been my latest project. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Well, tell us why is meditation so important in what you do and, and how does that help couples
1: that's a great question. Well, you know, we know that one of the biggest challenges, at least the couples that I see, is they 're just very reactive with each other you know it's it's not easy we haven 't been trained. I always joke around. I say that if you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school if you want to be a great skier, you take ski lessons, if you want to be, in the, uh, be a great partner in a really wonderful relationship, you have your parents. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of times, not, not to the fault of the parents, but parents tend to, you know, we have a lot to learn. I'll say it like this. We're kind of in kind of the earliest evolutionary stages of how to be a couple that uh, is alive and connected together. So we react a lot. So meditation is a way to access a part of us that is not affected by our past hurts, that is not, doesn't have to protect ourselves by getting defensive. So we, as we learn to tap in to this part of us that is already there, it's not like something we manufacture, just learning to pay attention to it, you're in a better position to be present to drop your agenda so you could be a good listener, even to be more creative in this program I do every month as a theme like for example, the first month is about deep listening how to be a deep listener um, just to tell you, the sixth month is about romance and so how does med- what does meditation have to do with romance well. I look at romance as the capacity to slow down and notice the beauty of your partner, notice the beauty of yourself. And when we slow down, then we could be romantic, not just the first three months or year of a relationship where the chemicals are running and you're all excited, but that you could, you could really appreciate who they are. Well, meditation is a great vehicle to help you get off that fast pace so that you're not just being a productive person, but you could be a romantic person. So those are just some of the things. I help people meditate to open their heart when they've been hurt, to to open their heart to forgiveness. I mean, there are many things we could do for that, but meditation is definitely, uh, to me, a great tool to help people do that. So uh, it's been my passion project and, uh, it, it's it's a program that uh, i you know one thing too as a therapist uh, i there's only so much i could do with a full practice so this is a way for people to sign up it's a it's a online program they get things from me we do meet as a group once every couple of months to do a live virtual retreat but it gives me the capacity to reach more people to help more people and to give them some tools so they could be Uh, not just in relationships. I I have people that aren't even in their committed relationships, but to have a healthier relationship with themselves and then maybe a future partner if they're not in a relationship. So a long answer for that question, but I'm really passionate about it.
0: Well, you said you wrote a book talking about how people can have long, hot, spicy marriages. So tell us uh, the Method to that? How can people have long, hot, spicy marriages?
1: Well, I I think the most important thing that I could say, and you know, I'll be honest with you, I wrote that book 14 years ago, and uh, since then I was a professor at USC, uh, University of Southern California, School of Social Works graduate program, and so. I think if I wrote, the, it's, it was a good, it's a good book, but if I wrote the book today, I think it would be a better book. So I could probably give you a better answer now than I would have if you asked me 14 years ago. I think the most important approach, the most important tip to help couples have a long, hot marriage is get curious about each other. I mean, if there's anything I could tell you, of course, there's more than one thing, but If you think about it in the beginning of relationships, we're always naturally curious. We are, we want to know about this person. Who are you? What do you like? What music do you like? You know, uh, do you like me? What do you like about me? What don't you like about me? You know, that's typical when we're first starting, we're very curious. We want to get to know that person. And then we're with a person for a certain amount of time and we stop being curious. We, uh, We we stop asking questions. We feel like, oh, I know you. You're the same person I was with yesterday, but that's not true. So, the most important thing is to practice deliberately being interested and curious with our partner, and that could be just, you know, we have. In order to do that, of course, we have to get beyond our own egos, our own self-absorbed orbit, and go. Oh, there's you, another person there, huh? So, how are you today? What's going on with you? And I find that to be very missing in many couples, especially they're working, maybe they have children, they're real busy, and their interest in each other becomes very low on the priority list. Things that are more important are just managing the house, managing the budget, managing the kids, but they lose their relationship because they haven't set aside the time and the energy on being interested consistently in each other. And that doesn't mean you don't take care of the house, it doesn't mean you don't take care of your work, but that we budget time and energy to be interested in our partner on a regular basis. So that that might not be the only tip, but that's probably the most important tip that I could tell, tell you.
0: Well, talk about your success rate of helping customers, or couples, heal from infidelity? And why is the process that you use so successful?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I have that uh, on there on my website, because what I found was that I've, I have when I started to talk about infidelity, that's, I mean, I guess it's, it's sad in a way, but that's when my practice got really filled up, because there's so many problems with infidelity. So I've had a lot of opportunity to help couples that have had infidelity or some kind of betrayal in their life, whether it was sexual infidelity, emotional infidelity, financial infidelity, whatever. And I found that, so in working with it, I learned some things. And one of the things that I learned was that infidelity is a big problem and we're not gonna minimize it because it's so painful to the person who is betrayed. So it is a problem, but it's not the problem. That typically the the infidelity is a symptom of other things. So even though I acknowledge the pain of the betrayed person as well as the person who cheated, they have their own set of pain, I guess. I mean, not I guess, they do. That ultimately we want to put our psychological x-ray glasses on and take a look deeper what was really going on. And there's not excuses, but there are reasons why people go outside the marriage. And once the people, both of them, both the person who betrayed and the person who was betrayed, once they get that, understand it, there's often often, um, a capacity to heal, to communicate with each other, maybe to find better habits that they never had before, so even though I say that infidelity is a terrible thing, it's a hurtful thing, that infidelity sometimes is the thing that wakes up a couple so that they could have a better relationship, a more conscious relationship that, that they didn't have before the, uh, the infidelity. But again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But you know, like for example, if somebody has always been told that they're not good enough, this is an example. Let's say it's a husband. When he was younger, his dad always said, you're not good enough. And then he meets this woman, and she thinks he's wonderful. And then they they get married, and they have kids, and they're busy. And she's busy, and she stops telling him how wonderful he is. And he also stops. He has such a need because of his childhood that he doesn't know to go to his wife and say, hey, you know what? I'm missing you Tell me I'm I'm wonderful or I'm I'm missing you express your appreciation to me. I'm missing that. He doesn't say that. He just goes outside the marriage and and he's at work and it starts innocently and somebody says, well, you're such a good looking man. (laughs) And then he starts to like it more and more and he's been missing it. And of course he hasn't learned to communicate about it with his wife so that's just one example of how that might happen. So if that couple comes to see me, that, that they learn how he has to heal from the trauma of being told he was never good enough. He also needs to learn the importance of communicating and not expecting his wife to be a mind reader. So I'm not blaming his wife for his decision to cheat. Um, but he there's things he needs to learn, and there might be things she needs to learn too, like how to be more interested or ask, "Hey, are you okay? How you doing?" You know, maybe you're not complaining, but maybe there's more to it, right? Like uh, we have current events with Twitch. The guy Twitch, I mean, here a guy uh, that sounded great, and he committed suicide. There's a lot of people hide their pain. So, what? Why I have a high success rate? is I help people get to the core issues and try to fix what's really there. Just like if a person has a fever, you don't throw cold water on them. You look for the infection, you give them an antibiotic, and that's what helps them. So we, the fever is, is a problem, but it's not the problem. The infection is the real problem, we got to treat the infection. And that's when people get healthier. And it's the same with infidelity. It's a problem, but not the problem. We treat them what's really going on, underlying the issues that caused it. And then there's, they have a chance to make it work. And if a couple has enough positive energy that they want to give it a shot, usually I'm pretty good at helping them heal from it and even thrive after it.
0: Do you feel like it's possible for people in a long-term relationship to be able to sustain a high amount of passion for each other? And if you do, can you share some of the success stories of clients that were able to rekindle the passion for each other in their relationship?
1: No, that's a great question, Curtis. Um, The answer, of course, is yes. I mean, i I try to walk my talk, and I've been married thirty eight years and so when I wrote my book the long hot marriage uh well, okay, so that was when I was married twenty four years and uh you know there that's a long time too, and so I would say it's very possible uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect personally, but I try to walk my talk, and my couples that I treat the individuals that i work with you know they can learn new habits they need to learn how to pay attention to maybe things that their parents didn't pay attention to so if we do the same things that our parents did if we think the same things our parents did if we say the same things our parents did we're going to have the same thing our parents have but if we start to go well okay my automatic thinking is, you know, I see you, like, for example, in my book, The Long Hot Marriage, I talk about how many couples slip into a parent-child pattern in their relationship. What, means, what that means is one person starts to feel more and more like the parent, and the other person feels more and more like the child. And some of your listeners, if they're in a committed relationship, you'll know what I'm talking about, that... Yeah, sometimes I feel like my partner's just t- being a nag and telling me what to do and I'm never enough for her. And then she's saying, yeah, I feel like I have another kid. I have two kids, but I feel like I have three kids. <laughs> it could be a father-daughter pattern too. Now, of course, they're not mother-son or father-daughter, but probably that's what they saw growing up. But what people can do if you know, they could use someone like me or read the books or you know, not just me, other people too, and they could go, oh, wow, this is what happens. Oh, oh, my God, you're not my mother. You're just someone who needs something from me. And I automatically slip into the role of you, you know, being controlled and you're trying to control me. But really what's going on is you just need me. And if I look at you that way, I'm going to treat you differently. I'm going to talk to you differently. And if I continue to practice doing that, your heart's going to open up. Your body will open up. And so I could have a long, hot marriage with you, even if many of our friends and and parents didn't have that. But I could because I'm trying to pay attention and I'm trying to learn who you are. I'm being curious, which, remember, I talked about that a little while ago. So if I could be curious and be interested, if I can try to practice being aware of my own weaknesses as well as my strengths. If I'm willing to work on my weaknesses and not blame myself, but just work on them, and you too, as a partner, yeah, there's a great chance that we could have a relationship that can maintain passion for as long as we live. I mean, biologically speaking, we've learned that the systems in our body, like the the, the cardiovascular system and the, the respiratory system, The sexual system is oftentimes, if we take care of ourselves and we take care of the relationship, could be the last to go. And you know, I I've seen that with people in uh, living assisted, you know, older people. There's a myth that they don't have sexual feelings, but they do. So if we can work on our relationship in the ways I'm telling you, that there's no reason why we couldn't have a long, passionate marriage. The the thing that breaks up. The passion in marriage isn't marriage, and it isn't the long-term, it's disconnection. But if we don't do the work through the days, the months, the years, we get more and more disconnected. And when we're disconnected, well, yeah, passion goes out the window. So even if passion goes out the window, even at that point, there is a possibility, if you don't wait too long, uh, to, to get it back. To fan the flames by reconnecting, by reconnecting with words, by being curious, by reconnecting with touch, with smiles, with romance, with dates. Anyway, that, yeah, so it's totally possible. Um, I'm more optimistic about couples now than I've ever been. And that's probably because I've seen a lot of couples go from hell to heaven, <laughs> metaphorically speaking.
0: When you say dysfunctional family or relationship, define what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, that's a good question too. I do talk about dysfunction. You know, and I have a bunch of podcasts uh, on, on uh, of course, love and sex and infidelity, uh, which is my pack podcast, the Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast. But I do talk a lot about toxic relationships. And, how to break free from dysfunctional families. But dysfunction, the definition of dysfunction simply is if I come from a family where I can't be myself uh, in, in a dysfunctional family, it's my role to take care, to regulate other people than to be myself. For example, let's say you have a family where the mother's an alcoholic, the father's a workaholic, I'm just making this up, but it's really true. It happens in my practice a lot. The child is born, and then they're the oldest, and then they have two siblings after that. And they have, an, like I said, alcoholic mother, workaholic father, and the oldest sibling, the first child, ends up developing, has to be the, the role of the parent in the relationship and being responsible for the other kids. So in that scenario, this this is a dysfunctional family in that this older child cannot be free to be a kid, to be playful, to laugh, to sing, to let others take care of her a little bit, if it's a her or a him, if it's a he or whoever. Uh, and, um, they, they actually kid not they, they grow up to be adults that oftentimes then will be overly responsible, maybe attract somebody that needs to be rescued. And once again, they're continuing the pattern of being in this role. So when they uh, come see me, I help point that out, look at the role you're in, let's say, you're more than that. This is what I always say, Curtis, I've never changed anybody. My job isn't to change anyone. My job is to help people become more and more of who they are. And they come to see me, they're shrunk. I know they call people like me shrinks, but really we're expanders, right? We, my job is to help expand them into more and more of who they are. So if you come from a dysfunctional family, you're kind of shrunk. You're being just a part of, you're being a role of being a responsible person. And even though, of course, there are times we need to be responsible. I might help this person learn how to play, how to sing, how to dance, how to skip, how to let other people uh, take care of them a little bit, or like be around people that care about that to share their feelings, rather than them always listening to everybody else's feelings. Have friends that are able to listen and let go of the friends that it's one-sided, where they, uh, where they they learn this from as a kid, but even as an adult, uh, they're always being the counselor with their friends. So. This is what we start to do. And now they're breaking out of this dysfunction that they lived in. See, when you ask me a question, I always have these long answers, but that's when people say dysfunction, that's what I mean by it. You 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 have to live out a role rather than being free to being all that you are. Now, maybe one of the other siblings learned how to be a spoiled, indulged brat, and they don't know how to be responsible because that was the role of the first person. So they have to learn. How to be responsible, how to be an adult, how to take charge at times. So, depending on the role they slip into, that's the thing you oftentimes have to help them so that they could be more and more of who they are. And then, just to finish this answer, coming back to the whole meditation question, meditation also can help people that have been, you know, kind of run by dysfunctional families and been conditioned to shrink. That meditation is also a way to help access parts of people that are beyond that. So it can really help them. Sometimes I call what I do alter ego therapy because we help them be their alter ego. The responsible, overly responsible one gets to play. The overly indulged person gets to take care of others, you know, and on and on like that.
0: What are the best tools that you find for? trauma, healing and recovery?
1: Well, uh, in that I use I first, first of all, for people that have been traumatized, the most important thing, if you find a therapist to help you with this, you want to feel like the therapist is tuning into you. Because one of the biggest problems with trauma is people go through it alone that what we find is when people are traumatized, but they have people that have gone through things with them. Like I had a woman who was molested when she was younger by her stepfather. And she said, but I was not, I never had, I never developed post-traumatic stress disorder from it. I was always okay. I said, well, how do you think that happened? She goes, I'll tell you why that happened. I was, I think she was like five. And she said, And my stepdad did this, touched me in these ways and he threatened me, don't tell your mom, but I went to my mom anyway, I said, mom, I'm really scared because so-and-so let's say his name was Bill. Okay. Bill uh, touched me and he threatened me not to tell you. She goes, what do you mean he touched you anyway? So the daughter told the mom the whole story and the mom was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. How are you feeling? That must have been terrible. And she cried and the mother cried with her and they held each other. And she processed it with her mom. And then she called Bill into the room and says, Bill, you just did this to my daughter. Um, I'm divorcing you and I'm pressing charges. Get the hell out of my house. Okay. So why I'm telling you this is that's why she didn't develop PTSD because she had someone very early on who was right with her that helped her process it in the very first time. And she just never had symptoms. Now, so one of the most important things for a person who has trauma is to have a therapist or, you know, family or friends that, that are there for them and could listen to their story and tune in. Now, having said that, the reason that I think that's an important question is I've been trained um, in EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing which people could Google it. It's a research-based, evidence-based practice to help couple, to help not couples, to help individuals heal from trauma. And the reason I did it was because I work a lot with sexuality and people that were molested, not like this woman, but they were molested who were traumatized, who had a secret, I wasn't helping them. So I tried a few things that didn't work and then I tr- got trained in EMDR And EMDR uses the idea of bilateral brain stimulation. If you think about it, when we go to sleep, there's REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement. And when our eyes dart back and forth when we're sleeping, going from left to right, it heals trauma. So in working with clients that have had trauma and using the phenomenal approach and tool of EMDR, that people oftentimes can process trauma like it was maybe not a pleasant memory, but an, it, it processed trauma like it was not traumatic. I guess I could say it like that. And so people who have been limited by past trauma can begin to move through it. And it's a pretty quick therapy based on, like, if someone was, you know, molested a few times, which is way too many, right? A few times is too many, it's terrible. The EMDR is going to be pretty quick. If they were molested for years, it's still going to be quicker than a lot of other therapies, but it won't be as quick, you know, because there has been more damage. But it's a great tool to help people process trauma so that they could keep the past in the past and then live more in the here and now in the present. And that's the whole idea is that, you know, we all want to be able to move. Uh, through up pain, through up trauma, through our hurts, so that we could be all open and alive and connected to life and to others, you know, and take our power back from the perpetrators of the trauma, if it's an interpersonal trauma. Of course, there's other traumas too, car accidents and things like that. And, uh, and I've helped people with that as well. And EMDR works with that as well.
0: Do you have any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about?
1: With that, I guess I kind of uh, started to speak about that. But, uh, you know, I, all the tools I talked about and working with couples is all important. But the project that is, is ongoing is my uh, membership program, Meditation for Self and Interpersonal Healing. And in this is a monthly, every month is a theme. Uh, the, like I said, the theme of deep listening is is one. The second month, let's see if I can remember this and test my brain. Um, the second month is, I oh, it's it's going from conditional to unconditional acceptance, and uh, you. And then the third month was opening your heart to love, and the fourth month was overcoming avoidance habits, and it goes on from there. Um, the sixth is on romance, and I. Uh, so I'm, st- I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually in the process of continuing to develop it. I'm now working on the seventh month. But when people join, they get the first month, and when they get, is they get a program where they get me in a video um, explaining the theme of the month, like the first month of uh, the deep listening, and then with that you get um, an audio meditation on the first of the month of your month whenever you join that first of that month. And then the 15th day after that you get a second meditation related to the theme of the month but it's a little little different angle and you get to listen and meditate it's about 20 minutes usually there's also um, a practice guide that gives people guidance on how to meditate and then it's for it's for couples and individuals but if you are a couple that are both doing the program there's a special couples meditation And then there's also a a place where tips to take what you learn in meditation out into everyday life. And so you get that every month. And then every two months is a live virtual uh, meditation retreat with me where our community comes together. It's really great. You start wherever you're at, uh, and we meditate together. And then I coach, and I answer questions pertinent to uh, what we're dealing with. You get bonuses when you first sign up. So there's how to do meditation. What are some of the things people think that why they can't do meditation and how to overcome them? Uh, you know, so I, there's a lot of the health benefits of meditation. So there's a lot of different bonuses you get as well. So that's my, that's what I've been doing. That's, that's because I'm constantly continuing it and improving it. And, uh, people could, uh, could, uh, sign up by going to my website, but they could always email me if they are interested in this program or anything else I'm doing at todd at So you know T-O-D-D at T O D D C R E A G E R com. So they could always email me and say I'm interested uh, and if and I could definitely hook them up with that program, or you might, you'll probably be able to, I think it's, I probably should have been more ready to tell you. I can't remember the actual, it might be toddkriegertraining.com. And then under that, you might see the meditation program. But again, if any of your listeners want access to that great program, it's terrific. It's $47 a month. So when people see me in person, I'm a lot more money than that. So it's a way to get me and do this program, and it's a, it's a life changing program, this meditation program. It's, it, uh, I just got a testimonial from a couple in the program that um, is coming out next week, the actual testimonial to my email list and other places, how it's transformed their life and their relationship. And they've been in this program for five months. So, yeah, so that's, that's my latest uh, thing.
0: Absolutely. Close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something I forgot to touch on that you would like to talk about it. Just any final thoughts you got for the listeners.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, you know, I've done this a while and uh, I definitely see a lot of challenges. We all do. We see a lot of pain in the world, uh, in our country here in the United States. um, And we see pain in our families and in our relationships, that's all true. However, despite that, we all have amazing capacity to love, to love ourselves, to learn self-compassion, to learn compassion for others. And if we can learn that, if we can learn how to love and, and not be so quick and reactive, if we can learn to be interested in each other's pain, if we could learn to make space for each other. It's amazing what we could do. It's amazing what we could do. And so even though there's challenges and pain out there, there's also love and love beats it. When we practice it, we practice it. And that's kind of what I do is I help people practice love to put it in a nutshell. And when we do, it's, it makes our lives beautiful. It makes our bodies healthier. It makes our emotions healthier, it makes our relationships healthier, and it makes the world healthier.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Todd Krieger. Hit him up if you need him. Be sure to follow, rate, review. Share this episode to as many people as possible if you know any couples that could use his help or his expertise. Be sure to hit him up. If you enjoy this episode of the show in general, please be sure to tell a friend, follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Todd.
1: You're welcome. It was a pleasure.
0: For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.